Welcome back to another episode of the Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Alex and Ty are back. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey, good to be back. Hey, we finally got Alex back. Uh, this week, next week, we're going to come in. We're going to break down our way too early rankings. Uh, way too early. Yeah. Way too today. early. In case oh. somebody missed that, way too early. But today we're going to do wide receivers and tight ends. Let's jump into it. Yeah, yeah, it's the wire, it's the wire, it's the wire. D. Griffin, this the wire, serving up a hot take, around the league, serving jams like a hot plate, who's the flex, first pick, rounds four to eight, trading with the base, that's Superman, we need a cake, this that fantasy, see who get the glory, who's gonna stay up in they lane talking Tory, who's gonna ride up on the train, where the hype at, yeah you wanna start them, but matches you might not like that. Tutties next week, man, he's double covered. Takes on a hundred coming out the oven. Tim and Ty, they the guys, know you gotta love them. Take your pick, do it quick, they on fire. The wire. All right, boys. So, like we said, we're gonna start off with some way too early rankings, and please don't do it again. We get it, it's way too early rankings. But Alex, you had your question you wanted to start us off with today. I do, yeah. So, um, you know, we're all in Dynasty League and, you know, we're all itching to make some trades and make some roster moves. And um, there's one name that I was really interested in last year. I think this guy is super talented. He he got the short end of the stick. He got, you know, he had Gardner Minshew, which was good. And then we kind of moved on to, you know, other quarterbacks. But what are you guys doing? What's your evaluation with DJ Chark? Are you buying? Are you selling? Are you holding? What are you, you know, Trevor Lawrence hopefully coming in. What are you doing with DJ Chark? Not redraft. Let's talk about Dynasty. Tyler, I'm going to defer to you first on this. Okay, so you're right. He is a very interesting player at this point. Who's Uh, right? Nobody said anything yet. Well, Alex said he was interested to see what we uh, were talking about. So, yes, I'm he's always right. Yeah, when I'm, I talk, I'm Tyler ready for an argument. Right. That's all. Yeah, I'm yeah, ready. Bring it. I think I'm coming in more gender neutral on this one. How's that? Right. So, everyone is very much excited because of Lawrence. Well, we're assuming Lawrence is going there. Lawrence is going there. Lawrence is going there. We all agree there. Lawrence is going there. So, we're just going to say Lawrence is going there. Lawrence is going there. Okay. Um, with that said, we have a million options there right now. You have Chark, you have Chenault, you have Conley, you have Keenan Cole, you have D.D. Westbrook, all of the, and then Colin Johnson, the sleeper that popped up at the end. I like of the Colin year. Johnson a lot. I think he's going to take a step and be part of the team at least. So yes, Chark is great. Chark, we saw great Chark have a great year two years ago. He looked dominant. He's a great prospect. He's athletic. He's big. He's physical. He's got all the all the metrics. No argument there. As a talent, I think he's great. But the problem is, is I don't know if it was because of injury or if it was because he just kind of took a step backwards this year. But he kind of fell behind almost all of those receivers. He really wasn't anything spectacular this year, even in the games that he played. Um, he was just average. Where we saw Chenault come on, and Chenault looked really interesting and very dynamic, and they were using him in creative ways um, where he could come forward. And then we saw guys like Keenan Cole, who was just productive week in and week out. Um, 
So, so you're saying I'm kind of a hold with, with Chark right now. I, I'm not I'm not one that's going to go out and actively try to get him. And I, I guess if you have somebody that's super excited about it and you can sell them, go for it. But yeah, so what you're saying here, I'm not going for it. So what you're saying is that Chark is a good player, but he'll never be the one or the elite receiver that we, you know, we projected him to be after his kind of rookie campaign. Um, I think it's too early to say still. I, I think the potential's there for him to be there, but it depends on how the offense shakes up. And we haven't seen sure. how all these pieces are going to play together when he's healthy, when he's not. And we haven't really seen how he's going to interact with Lawrence. If so, yeah, no, no it's know. fair. It's fair. Not, all right. I'm all not right, looking at Tim's itchy. Tim's, Tim's screaming at the screen right now silently. He's ready to Go get on. tapped in like WWE. Let's see it, Tim. <laughs> I'm Tim, ready. Bring it on. So, I don't know right, what let's you see what you got. On. There's no argument, but go ahead. <laughs> so, to start, just so everybody knows, Keenan Cole, Chris Conley, and DD Westbrook are all free agents. I was wondering that as Tyler was talking, but I didn't say it. I didn't want to ruin his flow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Westbrook was uh, Westbrook just expired, Conley just expired, and so did Cole. They're all unrestricted free agents. All righty. The only wide receivers left on the, the the roster next year is Josh Hammond, who was signed to a futures mm. deal. That's the guy from um, Jurassic Park, right? Probably. Colin Johnson, <laughs> DJ Shark, and LaBisca Chanel. So the big thing here is what happens with free agency, because yes, they do have a good amount of cap space. They have $80 million in cap space. I don't see them really spending it on um, wide receiver help, even though I think that it would be very important to tally. You don't have to look it up. I have their cap space on up on my screen. Um, Get owned. So <laughs> my thing with DJ Chark is, you can't sell him right now. There's yep. no world. There's no way in the world you're getting his equal value. If you, if you, you probably didn't spend an extreme amount of, cap, uh, of draft capital on him when you drafted him in a startup or a rookie draft, I'm guessing. Um, and coming off a, coming off a year, two years ago, he was a top 10, uh, what was he? The 10th rank wide receiver. I think so. he was 17, yeah, 17. Okay, so he I was felt a little higher than that. Well, we were projecting him for yeah. Him. So I mean, in a season where he had guys like Jake Luton throwing him the ball and and Mike Glennon for five games and Gardner I Minshew, I love Gardner. I, I love Minshew as well, and I, it would have helped Min, uh, Chark a lot. But yeah, he still averaged 13 yards of reception. He still led the team in five touchdowns. He still had 700 yards, the most on the team. 53 catches on under a hundred targets. But again, he only started 12 games. You have Chark in the dynasty, right? I do. Are you excited? Like when you watch, I'm extremely excited here. You're excited. I, I already have it as like a top five stack in dynasty. Okay. So I'm not getting him off of you. That's good to know. <laughs> no, no, you're not because the value I'm going to, that you're going to get for DJ Chark is not worth what you're going to spend to get a wide receiver of his caliber. You know, yeah, to, you know think of the return on the asset. Yeah. So you're not getting a one for Chark, right? No, I'm not but getting the potential you return of DJ Chark himself could be more than what a one could be because yep. now he's going to have a an actual quarterback throwing him the ball. Right. So we're we're talking about a team whose defense is probably still going to suck. Yep. They're bringing in 
a generational talent at quarterback. We've never heard about a quarterback more than Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> and, and rightfully it's so, hair, his man. freshman year of college, he won the national championship. He was the darling blonde-haired kid on TV on ESPN on New Year's Eve. And it was it we glorified him for the last three years. And I'll be honest with you, there's no way in the world he could possibly live up to those expectations, but it's okay. Does, because does. unless he's Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, he's a he's a failure in some people's eyes, which is kind of unfair to him. But back to DJ Chark, he's gonna be on the field 80, 85, 90% of the snaps. Chanel is going to be on the other side of the field. They may bring back Cole because I think they do like him as a role player. I don't see um, D.D. Westbrook having any sort of a role. I don't see Chris Conley really returning and having any kind of a role. So for me, I love Chark. I'm keeping Chark. If you can, if you can trade an asset you don't really care about in a, in a late two, early three for Chark, absolutely do it because the return you're going to get is a lot more than what the assets you're giving up. I think you both both make a really compelling argument for and against it. I think Tyler, I think there's a lot to what you said, because I watched a lot of DJ Chark last year and there were moments where he was just dropping passes or he was just not part of the game plan. And it was scary to be a dynasty manager of DJ Chark because now you're like, okay, did he, is there something with the talent? You know, does it, is it work ethic? Like what's going on here? Cause it seemed like quarterback play. It is, but it also it also felt like a game plan issue where Mike Glennon wasn't targeting DJ Chark the way you expected Mike Glennon to target DJ it's Chark. Mike Glennon. No, I totally agree, but he was throwing 13 targets to Colin Johnson. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the scary part is that he was out there double. one game, though. I mean, like, Colin Johnson, I'm sorry, but there's, he's no better than, than Auden Tate. He's no better than any yeah. of these just big body guys was, that everybody fantasizes about. Right, and that's the, and, that's the scary part is because Chark wasn't getting those targets. But in the same vein, Tim, I actually think your argument makes more sense. And, you know, DJ Chark is this prolific wide receiver that's uber-talented, and, and I would like to buy low for him. So I think for me, I side with Tim here that I would definitely buy low. I like to – I do. I've started to follow more fantasy baseball stuff, and they often talk about sell high, buy low, like in, in every player. It doesn't matter if you like them or not. And I think if you can kind of subscribe to that in your fantasy leagues in general – there's something to be said about buying value. And I think DJ Chark will be a value this offseason, especially if they bring in another wide receiver. And now DJ Chark, you know, he's going to get right now 30% target share if nobody else comes in from Trevor Lawrence and he might drop. But, you know, his target still might be more valuable than they, than they were ever this year. Exactly. But, I mean, this could all be a complete sham. And what happens is, is they sign Allen Robinson back. And <laughs> next thing you know, he's the wide receiver too, and sharing yeah. secondary targets with Chanel, or they, you know, they trade up and get pits. You never know what's going to happen. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, they have a lot of draft capital. They have a lot of cap space. It's going to be interesting. It is. No, I, I totally agree. Tim, you wanted to, uh, sorry, Tyler, you wanted to, to weigh in one more time with Chark here. So my question for you is here. It doesn't scare you at all that he didn't separate from all of these guys that you're just calling right. role players and Jags, basically? No, it, it doesn't. I mean, he led the team in targets. He led the team in yards. He led. The, he had the team tie in touchdowns. He was. But look, can we be realistic here? We're saying he led the team in targets, but he had five more targets than, than Keenan Cole. In he three had... less games. Okay. I gotta... so he led the team in targets per game. When he was on the field, 
He was targeted more than anybody else. And did nothing with it. That was the problem with me. That, that, what I watched out of him is he was getting, you know, he caught 50 balls on 90 targets. That's a pretty- But he's not getting thrown the ball by Jake Luton, sure. Mike Glennon, and Gardner Minshew. They were so bad that they wanted to suck, and they just <laughs> fed James Robinson, whether they were up 20, down 20, tied. It was a field goal game, or they were, it was a two-minute drill to come back. They were giving the ball to James Robinson. It didn't matter. No, I agree. For a team that, fit, that was trailing as much as they were, to throw this little amount of times is insane to me. They only threw the ball. They threw the ball. Yeah, they were times. They were running the clock out in the season. Like they, they were, they were, they literally had, they were on chew clock mode the entire season. <laughs> they really were. No, I, so it, I'm it's not, like we, I'm not concerned at all about them. There's one thing that gets called out here. That's really important to note. The Jacksonville Jaguars, their nickname is Jags. I never realized that. They are the Jags of the league. Isn't that sad? They are yeah, kind of they, becoming that. They're the yeah. Jags of the league, and that's their name. That just made me sad. Tyler said it out loud, and then, I don't know. It just yeah, I didn't sad. know you didn't know that, but that's okay. <laughs> so, Football let's, 101. Let's, let's, don't name your team a really bad team <laughs> name. That can also be counterspit. That can be spun into being called just a guy. So let's take a step back for a second. Uh, we did find out today that um, Vincent Jackson passed away from a lot of speculation. It just came out like an hour ago, so we don't have all the details when we're recording. But, I mean, I remember a lot of years where VJ was was a, a top 10 wide receiver in the yeah. league. I mean, I had him in multiple leagues, multiple years. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely really a sad, sad story to hear about. Uh, you never want to see these guys, especially he's so young. He's 38. Yeah, and I don't want to speculate on what happened. I mean, it's it's never good to hear. No, yeah, no, it really is terrible. I still remember Vincent Jackson dominating with Rivers and Powder Blue. I mean, that was he was the guy. Like, and then he went to Tampa Bay, and he still dominated. Yeah, yeah, Um, really sad. Yeah, no, it's terrible. So let's jump into our rankings. Um, We'll start with the wide receiver rankings. So what we're doing is again, this is a way too early. Do not chew our heads off if you think that this – if if you're speculating on something happened, we're, we're kind of going base knowledge now. You know, start a little conversation about these wide receivers, and this is a redraft thought process. So, you know, it, it's it, – take that into account as well. Um, so, to one, it was very easy. I don't even think anybody thought twice about it. We all have Devontae Adams at one. Yep, yeah. that was probably the easiest one on the list. I think there's yeah, something I mean, to be said here, though, right, about his soft tissue issues. The past two years, he's come off these soft tissue injuries, and obviously Adams is great. He's my number one, too. All three of us consensus one. But I think the only thing you're worried about here is injury, which you can't project anyway. But I think we've seen back-to-back years of, of Adams going down with soft tissue injuries. Does that bother either one of you? No, because if you look at the next two guys on the list, they both have the same concerns. Correct. The <laughs> next <laughs> Man. You can you can literally say this about Diggs, Hill, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Keenan Calvin Allen. Ridley with his ankle, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas had a tough year with injuries, Evans with his um plantar fascia. So every single Mike Evans with his issues, every single guy on this list is going to have some sort of soft tissue or you know, a weird injury with these guys, especially at the wide receiver position where explosion is needed. So whenever they're ninety percent. 
they're like 50% productive because, you know, when you have to be more explosive than the guy across from you, rather than running back where it's a little bit easier to play banged up in my opinion, but um, that I don't want to get too much into a rant on that. Yeah. My other question, and I do have one more and I want to get your guys thoughts on this. What if Rogers is gone? What happens to what happens to? Um, I'm not even going to entertain that. No, There's zero chance there? that Rogers right. is going anywhere. I'm just curious. They're a no. Super Bowl contender. They all right. They, he's not going anywhere. He seemed pissed after that Bucks game. That's all I'm going to say. He seemed like he was not happy to be there. And I you mean, know, you he, he may give them the ultimatum, and they're going to have to listen to him. All right, fair enough. I mean, it seems like they they kind of made their own bed, and if if Rogers wants out, I I think he goes out, but. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I guess it's a discussion another time. But yeah, Adam's definitely the one. Who's two? So we, we kind of disagree. This is obviously where we first started to disagree. Uh, but with the average rankings between the three of us, it ended up being Tyreek Hill. Um, both of you voted for Tyreek. I voted for Stefan Diggs. And then at three, we're just going to loop these two together. It was either Diggs or Hill for both of us. I just switched Hill and Diggs. I had Diggs above them next year. Any, any reason? Like what was your what was your reasoning behind Diggs over Hill? Um, I just I think he I think Casey's gonna be running away with a lot of games. I think yeah. he's I again I, you know we can say the same thing about Adams, but I mean every single time I see Hill running, I feel like he limped at the end of the play. Oh, you're so right. If I feel like he pulled a hamstring every time he moves. It's just the way he stops when he's running, and I don't I don't know, but I, I'm maybe I'm doubling down on how bad of a take I had on Diggs in the offseason hmm. because he is 20 times the player that I thought he was. <laughs> um, and maybe I'm just making up for it now. Well, yeah. for me, th- this one was a coin flip. Um, and th- for really the deciding factor on this one for me was who had the better quarterback. Um, Same. And I think it's, that's a pretty easy decision. We all agree that Mahomes is the better quarterback in the situation, better quarterback, probably about the same amount of passing attempts. I'll to take Hill all day. Yeah, yeah I think the only concern is, is the offensive that, line. Yeah, just to counter that really quickly. I mean, the Bills are going to be in closer games than the Chiefs. Are they? Because a lot of the games that the Chiefs were playing, playing from behind this year. I know, but – it's just a, a gut. Maybe it's just a gut feeling I have going into next year. I think the Chiefs played in eight or nine one possession games. They did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was so, some crazy like that, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I definitely get like, I definitely get the sentiment there. But I, I think if, if all, all is equal, you're just kind of looking at because Patrick Mahomes to Tyree Kill and Josh Allen and to, to Stefan Diggs, it feels like you're taking one of those MCAS tests where like, is whatever, there's no whatever. wrong answer at this point. Right. Yeah. No, they're both good, but. We have Phil at two and then Diggs at three. And then where are we at four? Oh, four, we are at Hopkins. Um, Tim and I agreed here, but you were the odd man out on this one, Alex, with A.J. Brown at four. Um, any reason why you think he's so high? Yeah, this is actually going to go back to what we were just talking about. And if we're going to say Mahomes to Hill, Diggs, uh, uh, Josh Allen to Diggs, I'm going to say Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown is right there in that list. Um, I saw a really interesting tweet that over the last like 30 games, Ryan Tannehill has one more touchdown pass than Patrick Mahomes, the same amount of the same amount of interceptions, a higher completion percentage. Now, granted, um, uh, 
Mahomes is way more yards than Tannehill, but I think Tannehill is very slept on. It's not the Derrick Henry-led offense that everybody thinks it is. Tannehill is a very good play-action quarterback, and A.J. Brown is a monster at wide receiver. I mean, second half of last year, if you take out his first five games, he was, I think, a top four or five wide receiver to end the season. Um, Tim, I know you love A.J. Brown. Um, I do. I, I feel bad putting him this low. I mean, I, I, don't <laughs> think, I don't think one is high enough for me to put A.J. Brown. He's the prototype wide receiver. I mean, I think I, I, I like him more than DK Metcalf as a player, as a fantasy asset and dynasty and in redraft. I mean, even with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback, I, I just think that the fit works so well between the two of them. Um, the so here's Titans the problem that I see here with that argument. Yes, Tannehill is super efficient with his passing. But Tannehill isn't getting the same opportunities to throw the ball as some of these guys, where Allen's throwing the ball probably 100 times more. Same thing roughly with Mahomes, almost 100 times more. And I would probably guess the same thing with Rodgers. So for me to put these guys there, the pass pass attempts just don't seem like they're going to be there. They'd have to be super efficient at the same time. And he has to keep that. That's why we're ranking him four, five, six, because he, this is, I mean, this is, you have him at six. I have him at five. Alex has him at four. So, I mean, for AJ, for AJ Brown compared to Hopkins, we have Hopkins here because, you know, with, I just think that the Cardinals are such a weird organization that they, it's such a, they're in so many shootouts and so many big plays when, 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 Kyle is running around like crazy. Somehow Hopkins is always the one that ends up with the ball. And Fitz is probably going to retire, opening up a little bit more target share. It's just, I have Hopkins by very, very, very small margin here. It was almost, it was a coin flip for me. Yeah. And, and Gary's saying as far as like volume and stuff like that, but the efficiency is there. I mean, over the last eight games, AJ Brown averaged 10 targets a game. And it's something to be said about that. And I understand it's Tannehill and everything else. But if you're getting 10 targets from Tannehill, I mean, that's enough for me to. And they you know. do such a good job of getting the ball in space and play and, yep. and get him in a route set where it, he, they, they've. He meshes so well in Tennessee with between, you know, the routes they have him run in the play mm-hmm. action game and get it. You know, it's everything works so well there. Yeah. I mean. Well, the only problem with that is, is that it's so all over the place because there'll be games that Henry takes over and they barely throw the ball. Yeah, but, but even don't, if they don't, he's still getting a touchdown because Hen- they're so worried about Henry at points. Okay, but my point here is, is that you're saying that it's so hard to argue with Brown because he's getting these targets, but Hopkins averages that week in and week out, and he's still getting the touchdown, and he's still getting all, all, the, all these yards. So it's Hopkins is so consistent week in and week out with the opportunity and and now you're saying Fitz is gone, and so he might even have more opportunity. Like it's, and me, I agree that, and that's why I also voted Hopkins over AJ Brown. And I think we're kind, of, we've kind of moved from Hopkins to AJ Brown, and now we're kind of working our way down. I we I agree with you. Hopkins is yeah. Hopkins is producing yeah. more, um, but I'm just kind of now we're kind of discussing the reason why AJ is now in the, is a top five wide receiver right now. Yeah, you know? that's fair. And you know, yeah. even in even in low target games, AJ Brown scored 11 touchdowns in his last 10 games. So yeah, Henry took over and had all these crazy games, but he had a touchdown in all but two games and had three, two touchdown games. in his, And when he came back from his injury, 
Sure. And now that he had the two surgeries and he's going to be 100% come next season, who knows if if this is him playing hurt, I can't wait for a healthy A.J. Brown. Yeah, I'm in the same same boat. I am so excited for A.J. Brown. And um, Wait, so are we going to Hopkins now? We, we've done Hopkins. We've no, now we're Hopkins. finishing A.J. Brown. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> they're, they're back and forth on my list. I actually do want to point out one thing with Hopkins that concerns me. You know, we saw Josh Allen take such a huge leap when they added the wide receiver one, especially in completion percentage. Kyler Murray actually dropped in completion percentage. And have you guys seen Graham Barfield's tweet about like DeAndre Hopkins route tree? No, no, no. There's a really cool tweet that I'll send over. And he, it, the, I'm looking at it right now. DeAndre Hopkins is running out routes to the left between five and 10 yards downfield. And that is it. That is the extent of his route tree. It's incredible how bad Cliff Kingsbury is at designing routes for, for DeAndre is, Hopkins. And that's something. I'm to, sorry, something but there's no way that that's possible. I would have to do more research on it, but we're talking right about it. it I, he can tweet it all he wants, but you don't get 115 receptions, a hundred and, uh, 1,407 yards and six touchdowns on five to 10 yard routes every. What is he, out boy? And then a lot of that. Thomas is slant boy? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm nipping his butt now. He's the not same. out boy. It's not happening. Um, no, no I, I agree. There's no way that that's even humanly possible. I'm, right? I'm tagging you both right now. Yeah, you can tag fun. me in it all you want. I'm, I'm, let's do some research on it before it, it comes to any fruition because Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen. He is. And Chris Kingsbury did a bad job of, of the first half. Wasn't like this. This was, this was towards the second half of the season. I'm not How saying many, his he, full he was targeted season was 160 like times. I'm there's, not saying his there's full no, target. Hopkins, like everything that Hopkins is, is doing in Arizona is perfectly fine. And I, I'm, let's do some research on this. Terrible no, I'm just saying that's my one takeaway. That's my one takeaway is that I'm concerned with Cliff Kingsbury running the offense. That's all. Yeah. Okay. But you know, it, it's it's more it, the, the big thing there was the amount of rushing attempts that Kyler had and the amount of rushing touchdowns. But um, let's move on. So next, we we we've came to the consensus of DK Metcalf as the wide receiver six next year. So this is an interesting one because he finished wide receiver seven this year. Um, and he would have been even higher if they didn't kind of fall off at the end. It seemed like they let Russ cook all year and his flame kind of went out at the end. And I'm not really sure why at that point, whether it's the line really fell apart and he was yep. taking too much of a beating. You got it right but, there. Yep. That, that's it. That's the reason. I, I think so too. Russ but, is bitching about it. Right. Publicly. I, I agree. Um, but we see that, and it's tough because he's in that same range, but he's getting just about 10 targets. And, but his big plays are so huge all the time, and it's – he's – I don't know. I, he feels slightly boomer bust to me, and we know how I feel about that. Oh, uh, your favorite kind of player, right? It drives me mental, but he's so good at the same time. He's so explosive, and we know how fast he is and how much of a physical freak he is, and it's it's tough. I, I love DK. He's honestly one of my favorite plays. And, right now but he he's tough i i had him at seven on the rankings um but he's interesting to me i don't know how you guys feel about that he's a physical freak we and we don't really need to go into any more detail than that uh as far as his physical abilities now 
you hit the nail on the head with that offense because they Russ was running for his life all year long. He publicly came out pretty much and said that they need to do something about his line and his and protecting him because it turned into let Russ cook turned into Russ pretty much being a backyard football player running for his life trying to find somebody downfield. Right. And the big the the one thing with with Russ is Lockett will also have these games where he goes 170 yards and two touchdowns as well. Do you mean game? <laughs> it's it's it you know, and I know Tyler loves players who'll have 42 one week and then 4.1 the next, and then 23 and then 4.8 and then 27. I, I know these are your kind of guys. So if you want, I'll trade you DJ Chark from Metcalf straight up in the Dynasty League. Wow. I'll even throw in a third round pick. You're doing me such a favor. Wait, wait, wait. It needs to be said in the podcast. Tyler, I'm giving you a free win. <laughs> That's his go-to in trades, but I'm yeah. not going to go down that, that route right I lo- now. I do love that rabbit hole, though. I really do. Yeah, so the thing, with, the thing with Metcalf <laughs> is he's going to have those games of two catches, 10 yards. And he it's shouldn't. not. That's what drives me nuts. Yeah, to be honest, those those two catch games are outlier games for me. All four of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of games. Like a lot. quarter of the season. That's not a quarter of the season for one. Oh, okay, four of sixteen is not a quarter. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Tyler. I, I know, I know. But that's a quarter of the season, twenty-five percent. <laughs> yeah. How many of these make a dollar? <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, but I'm going to hold on just to stop you there. Yeah. Oh, my God. DK Metcalf should not be. I, honestly, oh, I can't even get past this four out of 16. That's oh, so great. Um, Pete Carroll is a hell of a head coach. He does not know how to call an offense. And that's where the problem lies here. It's how do you how do you not how, how do you want to how do you watch Russ in the first half? Which, by the way, I have a question. How do the Seahawks have no design? They have no design passing plays to the running back. First, they never check down to Carson. There's never short passing. It's always these deep balls with an offensive line that can't hold up. And, and how do you want to run the ball more after watching the first eight games of of Russ Wilson looking like an MVP? and having two elite wide receiver talents on the outside. I just, I don't get it. And, and that's why I do like AJ Brown. Like, yeah, AJ Brown and DK are similar players, but how do you like the usage is, is what matters here. And, and DK's usage is abysmal. So really quick. I mean, Carson is no Tariq Cohen, Avin Kamara, insert any receiving back threat. So it, Still very serviceable in the past. He game. absolutely Let's... was, but he's not Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, right? That's kind of the point I'm getting to. So if you have a guy like Tariq Cohen, James White, these receiving backs who are very dynamic out of the backfield, he's good because he's a good football player and he's great in space. And honestly, he's one of the more – Carson is one of the more complete backs in the game, in my opinion, when I've said that for about yeah. two years now on the podcast. But my thing is is – they wanted to get the ball and Carson also missed a bunch of time. And then he was coming back from injury. He, he averaged four targets a game 
or I think it was four catches a game. I just I just lost four catches a game. Four catches a game. So that's well enough. And I mean, yeah. he had well, one or two two touchdown reception games out of the backfield. So my thing with D, my thing with DK is I don't know what the Seahawks are. Right? <laughs> yeah. Are they good or are they just winning some games and going to get knocked out of the first round of the playoffs? Their defense has studs all over the place, but are they good? Is their offensive line good? Are they, are they a run team? Are they a pass team? Like, is Tyler Lockett a, 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 gonna produce every week? No, probably not. And I mean, it's just there's so many question marks about that team, and there's so many. The, it, the, how many get you? I mean, Lockett had what 220 points, and I think 150 of them were in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was something. What's three out of 16, Tyler? <laughs> no, that's that one's hard, but and Lockett's a free agent because thank you, Tyler, for pulling that up. But it's no, it's not. Oh, he has one more year in his deal. I apologize. Last year. Yep. So this is the last year in his deal. But what are the Seahawks? Are they good or are they bad? Uh, their defense is bad. Their but offense. With Bobby is... Wagner, Jamal Adams. No. Why are they bad? Uh, Jamal Adams is a little overrated, don't you guys think? Do you guys feel no. That way? Not in it, not at all. He's as such a, safety, a good box he safety. Like, he feels more like a t- he's Taylor a, he's Mays. A linebacker. Yeah, he's like a I don't know, like he's an outside know. linebacker. Yeah, I don't know. He gets all the hype, but he, he can't cover. He can't like. He no, he's, anyway. such, he's so good in the run game. I do agree. They have a lot of big names on offense and defense, but it's the coordination of the team that doesn't make sense. Like putting yeah, think- that's the thing is like even defensively putting put it putting Jamal Adams in coverage is dumb. No, they put him in coverage. They put him in coverage a lot. I mean, they have to. He's a safety. They have to. Obviously, they have to. But uh, but they use him in the box a lot more than than most sure. safeties. And he blitzes more than any safety ever has. Right. Sure. But still, like, I, whatever. You, looking at the offense, like, how do you have the personnel and want to run the ball more? That you like, how do you have the personnel that you have and just want to run the ball more? Especially after Carson can't stay healthy. Then you bring on DJ Dallas and you, you know, so, Rashad Penny still banged up. Like, what's the reasoning there? I don't get that. So, do you want the reasoning? It's really simple. The reasoning is that they're thinking that they, if they run the ball a little bit more, the defense can't tee off on Russ. That's really what it comes down to. It's that simple. And it makes sense because if I was the coordinator, that's exactly what I would try. You have to establish the run game because, yeah. you know, Russ think, can't run for his life every game. I think the coordinator wanted to throw the ball, ball more, though. It was Pete who said, no, you need to run the ball like every play. Right, and I think that's him, devastating. Him trying to say that they're not running the ball. I, think, I mean, the last from week twelve on, Carson went eight carries, 13, 12, 15, 16, 11. So they were barely even getting fifteen carries a game. Like that's that's not okay. Right. So before we get down too much of a rabbit hole here, we're kind of let's get back to DK Metcalf because we could have an entire episode on just the the shit show that <laughs> Seattle is. But I think they're I still mean, sad about the Super Bowl. That's why they want to run it. DK is is one of the most talented wide receivers in the world. He's the most talented wide receiver there is. But the thing, you know, Seattle is such a mess that we can't. I, I can't put him above AJ Brown. I can't put him above Hopkins. But let's move on to the next guy. So this is this one had a lot of. We were all over the place on this one. Alex had Calvin Ridley at five. I had him at eight, Tyler had him at nine. And just because of our rankings, he came next right after DK. So Alex, if you want to lead the way in on your Calvin Ridley take. 
Yeah, I, I, I'd like to. Yeah, I, I really like Alvin Ridley. I think he's right there talent-wise with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and, and those guys. I think he's kind of in that same tier consistently. I mean, he was great week in and week out, aside from one week where he had zeros, um, which is always unfortunate, but I think he was banged up. Um, I mean, you talk about consistency. Look at week 13 through 16, 5 for 108, 8 for 124 and 1, 10 for 163 and 1, and then, you know, at Kansas City, uh, 5 for 130, finished the season 8 for 52. I mean, there wasn't a week where he had less than five receptions or more than 50 yards except for twice right? Like there was two weeks he had less than five catches or less than in less than 50 yards. And it came in week four against Green Bay, uh, Jair Alexander. And then it came in week eight against Carolina. Don't know what happened there, but uh, might've got dinged up. I don't remember, but still a three for 42, not yeah, great. But. That's when he hurt his, um, his ankle. Yep. He was out after, after he caught the ball on a, on a right. That he, yep. Yeah. You're right. I mean, if you want and consistency came back from health, he came back. He missed a week, he missed two weeks and then came back. Yep. If you want consistency, Calvin Ridley is your guy. Like, it, you know, you could take the shot on DK or you can just take the safe bet with Ridley. They're similar, you know, they're similar players. Ridley has all the talent in the world and, and Matt Ryan's going to find him. Um, so that's why I have him in my top five. So now my, my issue, I'm sorry, go ahead, Tyler. I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one for you. Yes, I have no arguments that he's extremely consistent. He's a great route runner. All of those. All those positives that you gave him, I have no argument with. Big thing I have an issue with here is that this isn't a year that we saw him come out and Julio be banged up most of the year. Julio played, realistically played a full six games, I think it was. He had that one game he had a hamstring, missed half of it, and then he he sputtered into two other games and was pretty much a decoy, didn't do anything. No, he left two games with injury. You're you're right. He legitimately like left in the first half with injury in two games. Right. So to say that he's going to be in the top ten, to me would have you'd have to have Julio have another season like this where he's barely on the field. Julio's gonna get his targets. Julio's gonna get his yards. We know Julio doesn't score touchdowns, but it's still going to be enough where where you're going to see Ridley's numbers come down. Maybe not monster numbers, but enough where it's going to pull him out of the. Out of the top 10, if not right at the very end of the top 10 for me. So just yeah. to – sorry, Tim, I'll let you go in a second. But so to your point, if you look at the games where Julio was good, which was mm-hmm. week one, that same week Calvin went nine for 130 and two. And then you look at week six against Minnesota where Julio was really good. Calvin went six for 61 and one. And then the third game where Julio was good against the Panthers, that was the game we were just talking about where Ridley got hurt. So I'd, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that argument. I think that that offense can sustain two wide receivers, and I don't see a 33-year-old Julio Jones getting any healthier. But anyway, go ahead, Tim. So I'm, I'm signing with Tyler on this one. Um, yeah, that, the first quarter of the year, Seattle shouldn't have even rostered a defense. It should have just been, you know, run your set all the way down the field. You're just getting whatever you get, you get, because they couldn't stop anything. That that was an anomaly game. I don't. That'll never happen again. Where they both go over 130 yards, in my opinion. The there's two sides of the coin here. If Julio comes back at age 33 and is healthy, then there will be a a slight dip in him Ridley. Now, a slight dip in Ridley is is okay because he, yeah he's still in that 
eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 wide receiver range. Again, you may, somebody may be mad that we're putting Ridley at seven, but remember the point per game difference between wide receiver, what five and 15 was like seven points in the season or something crazy. It's like, yeah. they're all mashed up and it's just more our expectation of their outlook going forward. Now, I personally prefer Justin Jefferson to Ridley. And that's that just sense. me. I think he's honestly more talented. And so Ridley has the same soft tissue injuries as all these other guys as well. So my question to that is, you know, we're talking about Julio being on the field and Ridley not seeing the same production. Assume that same thing for Thielen. I mean, you know, if Thielen's on the field for 16 games, is Jefferson not going to take a dip? Wasn't he, though? Um, Thielen was on the field for most of the games this year. I think Thielen only missed well, one. He only played games nine. He it played Thielen in played, nine games, and he, he only played, played six full games. Thielen played 15 games this year. Julio played six full games. Yeah, you're right. He did play. He played every. Wow. I didn't know Adam Thielen was that healthy. I feel like towards the end, he wasn't healthy, though. The last four or five games. Yeah, nobody but. is at that time of year. But that's, yeah, I mean, especially a 30-year-old wide receiver. But, you know, the next on the list, we go to Justin Jefferson, which is a good little segue into it. Justin Jefferson is emerged as a top five talent in this league, in my opinion. I mean, it's un, he's, he's right there with these guys like A.J. Brown. DK Metcalf, Hopkins, Ridley. Oh, Talent-wise, it's unbelievable. And the fit they have in Minnesota seems perfect to me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have I have Jefferson right below DK. Um, but yeah, I think from a consistency standpoint, like if I'm drafting tomorrow, I actually might take Jefferson over DK. In a dynasty Just- league, Jefferson honestly is a is a top three or four guy off the board. And don't forget, he didn't play, what was it, the first two weeks? He wasn't really in the offense, right? Right. Did I have that remembered correctly? Yep, because yeah. most people caught him after week two in, in redraft leagues. Yeah. And then Tyler, he went you're for the lowest. <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead, Tom. And then he went for 30, but go ahead, Ty. No, Alex was going. I was going to say, you're you. the lowest. Yeah, I was going to say, you're the lowest on the list. Tell us why. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got him down two spots at, at 10 for me. Um, I think he had a career year, surprised a lot of people. Um, I, this again, like Tim said, the, the point per game on this is so small. This to me, he might see a little bit more coverage at this point where he, it, it might knock him down a tiny bit. But I mean, we're in that range where these guys are, like Tim said, in such a close bunch that it was tough splitting hairs between between these last four guys for me, really. But really, the bottom five guys. Remember, Justin Jefferson isn't a 5'11". He's 6'3", 200 pounds. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I'm not saying... I, I, every time I, I look know. at it, I'm like, you don't look that big. He really doesn't. Like, it's he's, he's so the tall. same size as... He's, he's just a little bit... He's not as jacked as A.J. Brown, but he's the same height. Right. Like, you, he's one of these guys. He's a Tim, full-rounded you, wide receiver. Yeah. Tim, do you think he'll repeat 1,400 yards? No. No, that's what I mean. Like... It, Ha- not this year. Not, I mean, stuff. Yes and no, because numbers. the first two weeks of the year he was playing half the snaps. Yeah, but and then all of a sudden he's going 175, 166, 135, 133, 121, 103, 104 yards in these games. 
Tyler's right that they're going to stop paying attention to him more, but you can't do that. You can't just be like, all right, I'm taking away Justin Jefferson. One, because he he's one of those guys where you can't just take him away. And then two, Thielen's across the field. And the second you forget about Thielen, you're screwed. Where was this with Diggs, though? You know what I mean? Like, why didn't Diggs do this? Diggs was always flirting with about a thousand yards, and uh, yeah, but he never did five, at this level. Touchdowns. I think Tim uh, Tyler, you're. I think I think you're. I think you're onto something. Where I don't know if he can repeat that performance, and no, if the I, expectation I of him is a hundred. You know, ninety catches for fourteen hundred yards. I think that's lofty. No, but that's crazy. Tim, I, I do agree. Like he is super uber talented. Like, but do I see him flirting with? So his Diggs last year that there, he had ninety. 94 targets, 63 catches for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. Could I see him about the same with 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, and and probably 20 more catches? That feels like like realistic numbers for him. Yeah, I like put that projection. In, yeah, so we put him in that right in that range for me. Yeah, and it, he's wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine, wide receiver ten. This is you know, it's a good little area. And again. Great. The difference between wide receiver six and wide receiver nine last year was 10 points. Wide receiver nine and wide receiver 15 was seven points total on the season. So we're really talking about a touchdown or two here. A touchdown, one big catch. I mean, the difference between a PI and a, and a, and a, and a catch it's, but you know, it, it, the next guy we have on the list is Keenan Allen. This is where it gets really interesting. Keenan Allen's going to be, what, Keenan 29? Allen. Yeah, I think 29. He was the wide receiver 14 last year. And again, he played 14 games. I know we're over the Keenan Allen being an injury concern thing because he was banged up pretty much the first four years of his career. Mm-hmm. I know that the first two, he played 14 and 15 games, but he was hurt in every one of them. And then the next two years, he barely played. But, you know, we're talking about a 28, going to be 29-year-old wide receiver. And I expect them to either draft somebody or bring somebody in to replace Mike Williams. And there's speculation where they may bring in Pitts. So... And I think I'm the one that started that rumor. So I'm yeah, going to I continue think... and act like it's real. <laughs> yeah, I was, gonna say, I was, I was going to say, I think that was you. Yeah, yeah so according to, according to you... my source, me, <laughs> they, they may be getting pits. So Verified. it's just, it's one of those, you know, is Herbert going to have the sophomore slump for a quarterback? Is if Michael, if Mike Williams leaves and they don't replace him, does that mean that they just, Jalen Guyton is not going to scare somebody on the other side of the field. And they're going to, everybody's eyes are going to be on Keenan Allen. If Hunter Henry and Mike Williams leave and they don't get replaced, Keenan Allen is screwed. Yes and no. Um, Keenan Allen has always been an outstanding route runner. And top three. What's that? Top three route runner. Top three. And with that, he's getting targeted a ton so all the things that we said that were great about Hopkins we can say all the same things about Keenan Allen here he's a great route runner he's making fantastic catches he's got plenty of opportunity he probably would have cracked the top 10 this year if he would have played all 16 games realistically yeah. and he played the first what two games with Tyrod Taylor 
on top of it. So really, we got 12 games out of out of Allen with Herbert, and he was top 15 already. It was only the first game for Herbert. Herbert first game okay, started so week two against KC. So even then, he's okay. 13 games instead of 12 games. Um, I love his opportunity. He's going to be a PPR monster. Um, Redra, if it's not PPR, then then you can, then there's a consideration when he comes out of the top 10 altogether for me. But in PPR leagues, he's getting peppered with or without because Henry really didn't do a ton. Mike Williams didn't catch a ton of balls. To me, it's it's Keenan or Bust, and I mean you're gonna have to deal with Eckler at the same time, but he's still gonna be a monster PPR wise. Yeah, that's kind of the the vibe I've been getting with Keenan Allen is like, oh, Austin Eckler, when Austin Eckler came back, he was bad. I don't think that was the case with Keenan Allen. Everybody was like, oh, the offense changed when Austin Eckler was on the field. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, he didn't see 19. Well, he did see 19 targets. But yeah, he did. Yeah, he actually did see 19 <laughs> targets in a game with Eckler. But that's the thing. It's is the like, Jets. It's, I don't care who it's the against. Jets. I played him against that against him that week in fantasy, and I was just as mad, whether it was the Jets or the Bears or the Bills, it was equally as ang- angry for me. Um, but he averaged over 10 targets per game with Austin Eckler on the field. I don't have any concerns about his target share being dropped, regardless of who's across from him, who's behind him, who's next to him. As long as Herbert's on the field, he's going to target Keenan Allen. Question is always with Allen, you know, we saw it at the end of the season where he screamed into the camera, play me, and then caught one pass. Um, you know, it, that you know, injury aside, like I have Keenan Allen probably too low on my list. Um, because I was kind of buying into the well, Austin Eckler was on the field, took away from Keenan Allen when that wasn't. Did you even the just case. talk yourself on? Oh, yeah, air. totally did. No, yeah, it, yeah. during the podcast, you just talked yourself into Keenan Allen. I totally I love it. Yeah, I, I gotta stay. It. I gotta stay fluid, man. I gotta. I can't just live and die by my rankings. Just the rankings. Where, Where would you put him? Hey, breaking news! Alex learned something new. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait, can we talk about uh, Jacobs now? <laughs> No, 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 Jacobs no, no, is off no, my 12. No, Jacobs no. is off my 12. Doing that the running back episode. <laughs> yeah. No, I would probably put Where you Keenan Allen nine. I'd probably move up to nine. Okay. Above wow. Michael Thomas. Well, yeah, so we, we have him ranked at nine. So yeah. let's okay, move perfect. on to Michael. Let's move on to MT Michael Thomas, Alex's favorite wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, over him. Um, We had a heated debate on Michael Thomas. So the thing with MT is – Everybody's worried Breeze is gone. He's going to be so bad. He was good with with Taysom. He was good with Taysom Hill. And you know what? I have a feeling that it's going to be Jameis Winston next year, which is even better for his fantasy production. We don't know what Jameis Winston looks like with with, uh, Sean Payton, though. That's the thing. We know what Michael Thomas looks like with or without Drew Breeze, with Sean Payton. And we know what wide receivers look like. Jameis Winston is good, and if it's not Jameis, it's going to be another quarterback who can throw the ball better than Taysom Hill, okay? So even if it is Taysom Hill, that's probably the bottom of the barrel of throwing ability for quarterbacks, and he still averaged, what, 15, 14 points a week with Taysom Hill? I have him as my wide receiver 10 going into next year, and this is me based off the fact that it's either going to be Taysom or Jameis, but what do you guys think? I have all right. I'll go first. That's fine. I actually have Michael Thomas the highest on this list, and I'm gonna talk myself out of it. You guys had an amazing episode last week where you talked about 
um, t- things you took away in redraft and in dynasty, you know, what were your big takeaways for the season? And one of my takeaways, I'm going to self plug is not buying good players on mediocre offenses. You saw that with DJ Chark, you know, that was kind of the biggest one. Marquise Brown, like got these DJ good players, Moore. DJ, mm, <laughs> DJ Moore, but you've got these really good players on, on mediocre offenses. And yeah, the talent could be as good as DJ Moore, but if the offense doesn't do anything, you're not going to get consistent production. And that's kind of where I'm projecting Michael Thomas with Taysom Hill. And if that's the case, they're a mediocre offense with a tight end at quarterback and Michael Thomas will be okay here and there, but I'm not, I'm not buying it. So where do you wait, Tyler? So my thing is, I think that, Yes, I'm a little bit scared of the quarterback dip, but at the same time, Breeze's arm wasn't anything all that great to begin with. So Tim might have a point there that if it is Winston, this could open up the offense a little bit. So there is that shining bright and bright light, whatever you want to call it. The other thing that Thomas has got going for him is they have no wide receivers on this roster right now. My guess is that Emmanuel Sanders retires after this year. He was pretty much useless after this year. And then we're looking at guys like what? Um, Harris and uh, Raquan Smith, they, they'll bring somebody yeah. in, they'll either draft somebody in the second, third round, but or, nobody or, or they'll that, sign a free agent. Even Jared Cook's probably gone next year. There isn't any great options at this point after him. So I think that, yes, there's possibility that it opens up for him. We all obviously know he's going to get the coverage and all that stuff, but I think the volume is what's going to keep him safe enough where he's going to be be in that top 15 for me i have him at 12 um i i think that it's going to be more volume based than than big plays and touchdowns and things of that sort that's going to carry him though yeah i mean he he's a very good wide receiver and it's he doesn't just run slants just because just because drew Brees throws a lot of slants does not mean it's michael thomas just runs slants right we've seen him with the because any other wide receiver in that offense, they're trying to get on the ball quickly in space. And if it was Diggs, Diggs would be running a lot of slants, getting the ball and, and, and trying to make the best of it after the catch, right? Michael Thomas, if, if all you run is slants, then the, wide, the corner knows what's happening and they're going to stop you from running a slant. But I'm not going to spend too much longer on the slant stuff because it drives me absolutely insane. Are you saying Drew Brees is slant boy? Yes, that that's more that's more <laughs> consistent than than Michael Thomas is. But let's jump into the next guy. Uh, wide receiver eleven is Mike Evans. So the only reason Mike Evans is even on this list is because Tyler put him at wide receiver eight. I have him in that 13, 14, 15 range. Um, but Tyler is the only one that voted for him in the top twelve. Uh, probably a bit of a mistake on my part. Um, I, I really think Mike Evans, his skill type and the way he plays isn't someone that I tend to draft. I don't like to rely on touchdowns. He doesn't separate. He doesn't do anything with after the catch. He, you know, he, he, his, his skill set is c- catching touchdown, touchdowns, but touchdowns like, a, I don't even know what that was. It was two syllables. Um, but year in and year out, five, six years in a row, he's a thousand yard receiver. He's done it every year since his rookie year. And Brady was just kind of getting acclimated to the office offense the first few weeks. And then once he was, you know, really part of the offense and things were really working, Evans became the alpha. 
And Evans was the guy Brady looked to consistently in the red Whoa. zone, between the 20s, all over the field. I I have to interject there a little bit. So I think that has a lot to do with Godwin getting hurt and breaking up his index finger and his catching hand. Um, he missed a couple of games. He he wore pretty much a cement cast on his hand for a couple of games. He was really banged up. I mean, he there was video of him catching the ball pregame, trying to catch a football from Tom Brady without using your right index finger. It's impressive. Did he do it? He yeah, of course he did. And he he played That's- a couple of games with it, but he he fractured it and that's kind of when Evans started to take over in the offense a little bit more. Tyler, what do you have on Evans? So for me, it's, it's kind of a tale of, I don't know. I I've always been a big Evans fan and I always thought he was kind of a, a guy that was always underrated. And I think that there's a lot of truth with Alex saying, I think that he is kind of pulled himself forward as a dominant player. Brady's kind of go to when he needs a big play. That being said, it's Brady. He, we all know that he's going to distribute the ball. He's going to go to the tight ends. He's going to go to Godwin. He's going to go to Antonio Brown. So there's going to be there's going to be games where he doesn't have these monster games, and he's going to have games that are monster. But I think he's going to keep himself in a nice, safe floor yardage and catch wise, where he's going to be in that I don't know four for sixty range, something of that sort, and he's going to come in. And with Brady, he's just going to be a touchdown monster year in and year out with him. I think. I think that Brady's going to be so efficient with him in the red zone. We saw that this year. He had, what, 13 touchdowns, I think it was. Um, and I think that's just going to keep him really safe. And I think we can rely on those touchdowns week in and week out where he's just going to keep putting those numbers up for me. Yeah. Um, it's the Brady effect. Yeah. So my, my thing, you know, it's it's all over this. So I'm speculating Godwin comes back. I think Evans is going to take a pay cut so that Godwin's, Godwin can come back. Um, and if the whole band comes back together in that offense, Fournette, everybody, then we're probably looking at – I think Evans takes a little bit of a dip in his numbers compared to last year just, based, just due to the fact that um, Godwin missed so much time with with the hand injury now why does why does evans have to take the pay dip brady's new why can't brady take the pay pay because evans volunteered yeah yeah brady's such a great guy can't even take a pay cut for godwin huh yeah i'm not going down the rabbit hole alex um (laughs) trying to drag you in tim so we're just gonna ignore that one yep so next on the list we have amari cooper i love amari cooper as a talent It's just the the concern with everybody in that offense is there's so many Jarwin's coming back. Okay, we're going to talk about Amari Cooper. We have Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to get Tony Pollard involved a little bit more. Uh, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. That kid Cedric Wilson was insane for a while. It's just there's so much. And then uh, this is we're speculating based off of what we have now. So we're speculating that Dak is coming back in that all of the, they're not moving Gallup and Cooper's still there. He doesn't get moved. It, it, there's a lot of moving parts, but if everything remains the same, I have Cooper as a top 12 wide receiver, just based off of what he did with Dak in the first quarter of the season. Yeah. I actually have him at 11 here and 
I know Alex isn't a big fan of him, but I, I actually think he is one of the top route runners in the league also. Um, and if Dak comes back, it doesn't really matter to me who's going to be around him. He's going to be so productive. It's not going to matter at this point. You guys aren't going to like this, but I don't even think Amari Cooper is the best wide receiver on his team. I really don't. I, I think C.D. Lamb's the best wide receiver on that team, and that'll be in a few Most years. Most talented, sure. But Cooper's going to get the opportunity before Lamb does. I've The timing is there. They're starting. They, they've played seasons together. They've had, I mean. They played one season together, right? Dak and Cooper? Like one in a couple games? I think it was a year and a half, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's more than the four games that he played with CeeDee Lamb. I mean, Definitely. yeah, we can we can sit here and argue about the talent difference between the two of them. But, I mean, I, I still consider Cooper the alpha and fantasy-wise going into next year on this team. I'm not, yeah, I'm definitely not taking anything away from Cooper. I have him lower on my list. It, it, very much an Evans and Godwin situation or, you know, a Julio and Ridley situation. Um, I, I don't know. I just think it depends on how Dallas uses Cooper. Um, obviously, he can break an 80-yard touchdown any given point in time. It's just he's never shown the consistency, and I really hope he does with Dak because then he'll definitely be worthy of a top 12 wide receiver pick for sure. Um, I just I have questions about, you know, feeding a lot of mouths on that team and them trying to get better defensively, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where things end up, um, you know, come – you know, come draft day. But. And, you know, just for honorable mention really quick with the wide receivers, Chris Godwin was a tie with Cooper. We gave the nod, we gave the, the nod to Cooper here. Godwin is interesting um, because there's a lot of speculation with where he could go this year. If he decides to get paid somewhere and, and be the alpha somewhere, he, the opportunity is endless. I mean, he could chase the money, he could chase a ring, or he could chase – a long-term solution for himself. Um, I think he could do, I think he could do all three things if he goes to green Bay or Kansas city. And that's why I have him at 10. I, I think Godwin kind of either goes to, goes to one of those quarterbacks and says, Hey, let's go to another Super Bowl." I don't see uh, green yeah, Bay. I, maybe I see, I, There's I, no way he goes to Kansas city. Spots. There's no way he goes to Kansas city. That I would, have sources. Yeah. Me. What are your sources? <laughs> Yeah, I'm my source. Kansas City for Chris Godwin. Let's make it happen. Yeah, he's been he's been petitioning for it. But so this is all we got for wide receivers, guys. You have anything else? Uh, I think that's it for me. Um, it'll be interesting to see how these guys play out throughout their year. But I feel good with this list right now. I do too. This is a strong list. We are very good at this. <laughs> yeah, tune in. Tune in for what we got on run. tight ends. Tune in for what we got on tight ends, running backs, and quarterbacks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See Peace. You.